Well, welcome back. The uh, I know I just uh, we got back this later this week and uh, from Oregon, and we've been there for a couple of weeks. I just want to thank the church for the opportunity to go and rekindle those relationships with our family, and to see everybody, and just to uh, love on those nieces and nephews and and everybody. But what a blessing it is um, to be able to go do that. And um, I'm just overcome with emotion today because I missed my church family. And I'm thankful to be back worshiping with you. And the, the power of Almighty God is so amazing. And um, it is transformational in our lives. Um, and I know that, uh, you know, I'm just broken. Broken for our nation. We're from Oregon. We're not from Portland. But we're from Oregon. And uh, there's a difference. Um, but um, I'm, broken. I'm broken for what they're going through. And what we are going through as a nation. And I know that, um, you know, God has all of this. I know that it's, um, it's just an amazing time for us. And I, I just wonder, where is the brokenness? in the church. Father, I just want to thank those that have um, faithfully proclaimed the word while we were out. Uh, Father, that, that uh, you would bless Brother Braden and Brother um, Jeff as they continue to, to plow the field that you've given them. I pray, Father, for Casey. I thank you for her work um, as she has put hours and hours of video uh, for people to have Vacation Bible School in their homes. Uh, Father, what a blessing it is, and I thank you for, for her and the, and the work that she's put in there, and for the many volunteers, Father, that have helped bring that together. Father, we ask your blessing in the lives of those families, in the lives of those children, that they're going to hear the gospel, and Father, that they will respond to that. Father, we thank you so much for your word and how it challenges us. I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to hear what you have to say for each one of us. Holy Spirit, have your way in each of our lives, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to be out of the book of James, and we're starting a new series out of the book of James, and so we're going to be there for a while. And um, I'm very excited about this series. And today we're going to be in James chapter 1, uh, verses 12 uh, through 18. And... Uh, before we get into that, uh, talking about temptation, you know, it's no secret that my brother-in-law, Mike, he deeply enjoys uh, food. He deeply enjoys good food. And uh, one of his top favorite uh, picks for donuts is a place called Joe's Donuts in Sandy, Oregon. And uh, while we were on vacation, uh, Tracy and I, we decided to stop. We were passing through there, passing through Sandy, and so we decided to stop at Joe's Donut Shop. And uh, we were struggling a little bit, you know. Um, I mean, I felt like we had consumed some um, several, you know, large meals with family and, and frequently. And it, it's just what you do when, when family gets together. You, you eat, you, you gather around the good stuff, and you have a, a lot of laughs and, and a lot of good times. But anyway, we were driving uh, through uh, Sandy, Oregon, and, and um, we saw Joe's Donuts, and as we got a little bit closer, uh, Tracy was thinking, well, maybe a cup of coffee would be spot on with that. And so, um, you know, that's when I began praying, uh, Lord, if you want us to stop for a donut, 
and, and, and some coffee, let there be a parking spot right in front of Joe's. And sure enough, I found a parking spot right in front of Joe's. I only had to go around the block four times. You know, even God good. I mean, he just provided that for us. They have really great donuts, and, and we did take, Mike, a, a dozen or, or so. Um, it was close to a dozen. But um, as Robert Orban said, most people want to be delivered from temptation, but would like it to keep in touch. Quincy Adams said this. He said, every temptation is an opportunity for getting nearer to God. Just allow me, if I might, for a moment to state the obvious here. You will not make it, and when I, when I say make it, I mean endure. You will not endure as a Christian if you do not learn to overcome temptation. It's so vital. It's so important. You know, in the parable of the sower, Jesus said in Luke chapter 8, he said that some make a profession of faith, and this is what he taught. Some make a profession of faith and begin to show signs of growth. But the heat of trials, of temptations, or the more subtle thorns of worldly desires cause the plant to die. And as I understand this parable, it's only these, those plants that endure and produce fruit that represent true believers. Those that endure and produce fruit. See, because the enemy is strong, because the enemy is strong and the lusts of the flesh are so powerful, we must learn to recognize and to overcome temptation in our lives. Because if you do not, James says, you're on the path that leads to death. You know, in James chapter 1, just kind of a beginning here, an overview of James. He covers several different subjects, and I kind of like to think of it like a quilt. You have these different blocks that individually they may not be the same, they may be different, but when you put them together, it, it, it makes something beautiful. And so he, he talks about trials, he talks about wisdom, he talks about humility, and he, he talks about riches and temptation and speech. And they all seem like they're kind of unrelated. He's got these blocks in there. But then when you put it all together, uh, it, it reminds us of, of a quilt. You know, a, a person of faith is not just someone who talks a good game. A person of faith is one who reflects a life that is transformed by the grace of Jesus Christ. And that's evidenced by a genuine concern for those who are needy around them, taking care of the needs of others. I want you to think with me for just a moment, if you will, about the hardest test that you've ever faced in your life, the hardest trial, the hardest test. It might be a written test. It might be some type of, of thing that happened in life. But the hardest test you ever remember taking. You see, many of James's readers... The ones he wrote this to, they faced hardships because they were Jews. They, they faced hardship because they were Jews and they were living among Gentiles. And so he's writing to those who are out there away from Israel, who are living as Jews by themselves among Gentiles. And they're facing persecution, they're, they're facing hardship. They're facing all kinds of things and, and so he's writing to them to encourage them. They endured additional challenges from their own people when they became followers of Jesus Christ. When they signed on with Jesus, when they said, I'm going to follow Jesus, their families excommunicated them. Their families uh, did away with them. They, they were dead to them because they were now following Jesus, the Messiah. You see, they, their faith required obedience to Jesus. And it appeared to be treason. It looked as if it was treason to the Romans. But it looked like it was blasphemy to Jews. They were, they were pushed aside by, by the people they lived among and by their own families. And you see, Christians today, 
who live in nations where uh, they are a minority often encounter the same kind of difficulties. And if the Lord tarries, we're going to face those same kind of difficulties right here. My desire in going through the book of James is for us as a church, as the people of God, to have some grit, to have some integrity, to have some metal in our core so that we can stand firm in the hour of persecution. So that we don't just bend back and forth with every wind of doctrine, but that we stand firm knowing what we believe and whom we believe and whom we have trusted for all eternity. I want to give you just a little bit of pre-passage truth here, okay? We're going to start in verse 12, but I want to read verse 2, 3, and 4. It says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, temptations, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance keep having its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete or mature, lacking in nothing. Notice that it doesn't say if you have various trials. It says when you have various trials. It's not if it's going to happen, it's when it happens. Trials are inevitable. They happen. No one is immune. We face sickness. We face rejection. We face grief. We face hardships. And trials do not come as punishment, but as opportunities to prove the authenticity of our faith. I think this is huge because many times we want to think that we're being uh, uh, punished, but we're being tested. You know, can you imagine a young uh, student at school who sits down at his desk and the teacher hands out a test and they think of it as punishment rather than thinking of it as being tested so that you can prove what you know. See, that's what it is. It's about proving what we know, what we understand from God's Word. Trials are inevitable. They can either devastate us or they can make us strong. And James challenges us to face our trials with joy. With joy. Because trials produce endurance. Kind of like conditioning training in sports. Oh, nobody enjoys the discipline, but we like the result of the discipline. We can go longer. We can, we can be stronger because of that discipline, because of we've endured the trial. See, when challenges arise in your marriage, when challenges arise in your job or, or in your church or your school, our human nature encourages us to either quit or to run away. Just to get away from it. But these situations may prove to be the perfect time for our relationships to grow in trust and to mature and to be strengthened. See, when we became Christians... We entered into a battle that never existed before for us. And it's begun with this battle that we now have with sin. This battle we have with Satan. Those testing fires that never afflicted us before. Now they light up and they burn. We may not have even been aware that they were out there. But all of a sudden now as a believer in Jesus Christ, we see this. Tensions between sin and evil developed that didn't bother us before, but now they do. And understand this, that guerrilla warfare, it begins with us between good and evil. These little these, these ambushes, these little things that come into us that didn't bother us before, we didn't even notice them, but now our eyes are open and we see what's happening around us. Let's read in James chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. It said, blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. 
For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. There's nothing better than him. We sang that song. There is nothing better than you. He cannot be tempted by evil. And he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of His will, He brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. What an amazing passage of Scripture. I mean, we need to start off here with a definition, a biblical definition of temptation. I mean, the basic definition here of temptation is to test or to try. When I say to test or to try, all of us know what a test is, especially from school and from from those kind of things. Sometimes we have tests in life to see how we're going to deal with things that come up. You know, the, um, the purpose of a test is not to cause someone to fail. The purpose of a test is to prove what you know. There's a big difference in perspective. Because the test is there before you and you're looking at it. And, and if you haven't studied, if you don't understand what you're studying, if you're not studying and being diligent in that, you're going to fail the test. But the teacher wants to know, the instructor, the professor wants to know what you know. And you have the opportunity to prove what you know about that subject. You see, it's that way with our faith. Adrian Rogers said this. He said, temptation is trying to get us to fulfill a legitimate desire in an illegitimate way. Temptation. We have the desire, but we want to fill it in an illegitimate way. We want to short circuit. We, want to, we don't want to wait until we're married to have sex. We fill it in an illegitimate way. Oh, it's a good desire. It's a desire that God put within us. But we want to fill it in an illegitimate way because we don't want to wait because we're impatient. See, that's what I'm talking about. There's a temptation. That's just one of very, very many temptations. But the idea here is we try to fill a legitimate desire in an illegitimate way. James gives us the sources, some sources of temptations. The first one is that uh, trials come from the nature of life and the world in which we live. Because we live in this world, we are tempted. Because of the way we are created, we are tempted to fill those desires in illegitimate ways. But understand this. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, Paul writes this. He says, No temptation... Why couldn't he have just said some? He said, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man, is common to humanity that we all deal with. And God is faithful. Now we need to pull over and park right there. God is faithful. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. The reason we don't endure it is because we don't try to endure it. We give in. Because it's easier. 
It's the path of least resistance. And what he's saying is God is faithful. If you will stand against the temptation, God will give you the strength to endure it. We need to hear that. These trials come from the nature of life and the world in which we live. They also come from Satan. And you think about this. You remember the book of Job, where Satan asked God if he could sift Job, your servant Job. And so some of these temptations do come from Satan. I mean, in Matthew chapter 4, we see Jesus, as he walked this earth, he was tempted by Satan. Oh, to do those, those things. He was tempted three times. Probably many more times. But he withstood those because God gives us the strength and God is faithful. Trials come from old sins and weaknesses according to this passage. I mean, <laughs> he says that each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. The trials also come from the hand of God. We're not tempted, but he tests us. God tested Abraham and his faith. You read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, also in Genesis 22, verse 1, where Abraham was tested whether he would give the son of promise, his one and only son, the only begotten son that, that God had given Abraham, would he sacrifice Isaac to God. God was testing him. And he passed the test. See, God will test his children's faith. But only Satan will seek to seduce us to sin. God will test our faith so that we can prove our faith in God and through his son Jesus Christ. But only Satan will lure you to, towards sin by tempting you that way. See, we have to find some way to find strength to endure temptation. And we say, well, how do we do that? <laughs> you know, sometimes when the, the, our, our, our boys and, and daughter were young, uh, something would happen. Maybe something would get broke or something would happen at, 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 at the house or uh, they'd stayed out too late or the, all kinds of things happen when you have teenagers and young people. But I want to say all manner of evil. But... Um, one of the things that they would say as an excuse is they would say, well, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to hit that lamp. I didn't mean to, to, to knock this over or break that or whatever. And, and I love Tracy's response. She would say, well, you didn't mean not to. And I think that's important. Because we have to have a preventative towards that. We have, to, we have to work and make preventative measures. And so if we're talking about enduring temptation and finding the strength to endure temptation, the first thing, and you may want to write these down, is to avoid unnecessary contact with sin. Get away from it. I mean, 1 Thessalonians 5.22, it says, Abstain from every form of evil. Don't do it. And don't be where that's done. Because if you hang out there, I mean, let's face it, if I hang out at the donut shop every day, okay, I'm going to weigh 250 or 300 pounds because I like to eat and I enjoy donuts. It's okay if I go by there every once in a while, but I can't live there. And what I'm saying is you can't live there either. Because those are the things that cause us the problems in our life. We've got to put some preventative measures in, in place. We've got to avoid unnecessary contact with sin. You know, if you're playing in the mud, sooner or later, you're going to get some on you. That's what he's talking about. God has made a way. God is faithful to avoid that. But we have to do our part. Avoid unnecessary contact with sin. Secondly, is to cultivate a fellowship with God. Cultivate your relationship with Jesus Christ. James 4, verse 7 says, Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So we have to cultivate our relationship with God. We have to turn away from sin and turn towards God. 
And, and, and the idea there is we have to cultivate that. We have to work the ground just like you would work a garden. You have to pull the weeds. You have to spend time in the Word. You have to uh, memorize Scripture and, 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 and really put it, your all into that. You can't just bump along and not do the work. Because sooner or later your garden is going to be run over with weeds. to cultivate that relationship. Thirdly, I would say study and memorize God's Word. Study and memorize God's Word. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Your Word have I treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. I would also say we need to be vigilant in prayer. Matthew 26 verse 41 says, Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is where we find strength to endure the temptation. Avoid unnecessary contact with sin. Cultivate a relationship, fellowship with God. Memorize scripture, stay in the word, and be vigilant in prayer. That's how we find the strength to withstand the temptations that come. But understand there's blessings that go with enduring the temptation. When we talk about endurance and when we talk about enduring temptation, in James uh, verse 12 there, it says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. You're blessed when you persevere under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord have, has promised to those who love him. There's a reward with enduring temptation. You're going you're gonna to receive the crown of life. So in enduring temptation, we're talking about enduring that. It develops spiritual strength. Every time you endure a temptation, you get a little bit stronger at enduring that temptation. It may even come to a point where that temptation is no longer a temptation for you because you've endured it enough I'm not saying you let your guard down. I'm saying you've developed enough mental, physical, spiritual strength for it to not be a temptation. Now, don't get puffed up and arrogant because that's when you're going to fall. But the idea here is that we, we endure temptation and it develops as we um, it develops spiritual strength, builds some grit in us, builds some integrity, builds some character. And it gives us strength to endure. Also, enduring temptation draws us closer to God. I mean, when, you had, when you've been put to the test and you are approved, you pass that test, you know, when, when you're able to, to, to do the thing that you, you're trying to do and you do it well, and you're recognized for doing it well, I mean, it draws you closer to God because God is the one who got you through it. God is the one who is faithful. He doesn't put any temptation out there that we can't endure, and He doesn't make a way for us. He has made a way for us. We have to find that way. Enduring temptation also prepares us for greater glory to come. He says, a crown of life that is promised for those of us who love Him. Oh, I can't wait. Lord Jesus, come quickly. See, we need to understand that trials and temptations, temptation is not a blessing, but enduring temptation is. Not yielding, but enduring a temptation is a blessing. See, trials are a certain sign of the antagonism of Satan. We, 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 we recognize that Satan has an involvement there, but we also recognize that when we endure, we receive God's approval. Because we've trusted Him more to get us through that. Enduring temptation builds believers' endurance and faith. So, so what is your attitude like when you are faced with trials, when you're faced with hard times? What is your attitude like during that time? I mean, I encourage each one of us to examine your life. Evaluate what you are saying and what you are doing as you're going through the test. Are you, 
Are you sitting there and, 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 you know, cursing in your mind the test while you're taking it? Or are you counting it all as joy because God is approving you in the faith? That He senses that, 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 that you are worthy of this test. You've, you've pro progressed this far and so now this is the next test to make sure that your faith is solid gold. Oh, I pray for the refiner's fire to refine so that on that day when I stand before Almighty God, it won't burn up like chaff, but that what remains will be solid gold. Oh, listen, we don't know the quality of anything unless we put it to the test. Unless we put it to the test, you know, think about it. Maybe someone, you know, has fighting ability. Maybe they are an MMA fighter. They don't know what they know until it's put to the test. Or maybe the strength or quality of, let's say, baseball skills. I mean, you can practice, you can practice, and you can practice. But you don't know until you stand in front of the other team and you play that other team what kind of team you really have. We don't know the quality of anything unless we put it to the test. And it's the same with our faith. We don't know the quality of our faith until it's put under fire. And then we know. Then we see the inconsistencies. Then we see the gaps. Then we understand, hey, we don't have it all together like we thought we did. We're sinners. Saved by the grace of Almighty God. And we fall short, and we fall short, and we fall short. And we need His guidance and His direction every single day. We need His guidance and direction in our church. We need His guidance and direction in our lives. We need His guidance and direction in our nation. When we turn our back on God, all bets are off. Because this world is going to run rampant. And we should not grieve at lost people acting like lost people. Because what they need is they need Jesus. But if the church remains silent, and I'm not talking about just from the pulpits, I'm talking about from the pew. If the church remains silent, then we will be run over by those who don't know our God. We don't know the quality of our faith until it's tested. You know, golf courses, they, they provide challenges to golfers to test their abilities. I mean, they have water hazards, they have the rough, they have trees, they have sand, they have distance, unforgiving greens. I mean, for some of us, just to tee up a golf ball is enough challenge for us. But anyone can tell very quickly if a person really is a golfer or not, simply by watching how they play the game. I wish people could see our faith that easily. That when the tough times come, we're not the ones wringing our hands. We're not the ones running around like a chicken with our head cut off, wondering if we're going to get the virus. If I get the virus and die, it's because that is God's will for my life. I'm going to take precautions. You know, when I go take my granddaughter in the car, I buckle her up in the, in the car seat because that's wisdom. But I recognize things that we fear, things that we're not showing our faith in Christ if we're not steady with Him. It says God is faithful. We need to understand that. In life, we face trials. And we're tested and, and they prove us. The way in which we respond indicates whether our faith is real or fake.
So you may be facing a trial in your life today. There may be something that is looming large. And you know, Satan attempts to lure us with temptations. But rather than bringing life, temptations bring about death. And when we give in to these evil impulses within us, they bring about destruction. You see, lust is not just desire. It's desire that's already gone to seed. And the next time you face one of your typical temptations, watch how the struggle between your desire and your reason takes place. Watch that. Because we can and we do justify almost anything and everything that we desire. I think God's Word talks about this. Because it's a problem for us. And we need to understand it. I'll be wrapping this up in just a moment. Just hang with me. See, if you give in to temptation... It will be because your desire has overcome reason in the struggle to influence your will. It's your will that causes you to do things. You do it because you want to do it. It's your will. We say make up your mind, but what we're really saying is make up your will. But when your desire overpowers your reason, you know you shouldn't do that. You know that it's not good for you. You know that it leads to death. But you choose to do that anyway. Your desire has taken over your reason and has influenced your will. See, James, verse 14, says, But each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished... It brings forth death. It says he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. I was able to do a little bit of fishing while we were on vacation. And I really enjoyed fly fishing in the Deschutes River for rainbow trout, steelhead. And what, a, what a great opportunity just to be out there and you hear the river running. And, and um, you know, the words that James uses here come from fishing is carried away and enticed by his own lust. The fish sees the bait. The fish sees the bait and it lures him toward it thinking that he's going to get something to eat. That's his desire. His desire is to eat. And he thinks he's going to get something to eat. Instead, he gets hooked and carried away where instead... The trout becomes the meal. Unless you practice catch and release. But the temptation to sin is just like that. We think that the sin will satisfy us and we'll get something good that we're missing out on, but instead it hooks us and it drags us to destruction. See, there's always that deceptive element to temptation. And it's strengthened by the powerful emotions that are involved. See, as believers, we are not to live by our feelings. But by faith and obedience based on the knowledge of God's word of truth. See, we can feel any way we want any day of the week. But what remains forever is God's word. His truth. See, we need to follow God's word no matter how strongly our feelings pull us in different directions. You know, Eve, she sinned by listening to the enemy long before she took the fruit. And our victory over temptation is won in the citadel of our mind, far before the act of sin. You know why men have an affair? Because they've been thinking about it for a long time. It happens here. That's why we must take every thought captive to obedience of Jesus Christ. If we're going to win this battle for holiness, we must recognize that the basic problem is already within us. We are each enticed and carried away 
by our own lust. It's our own evil desires that lead us into temptation. We think that maybe it's just some outward presentation that, is, that, is, that tempts us. But the truth is, is that our evil desires are constantly searching out temptations to satisfy their appetites. You're looking for opportunity. You're seeking those out. Because that's what your desire is. See, those evil desires is what causes us to sin. This is huge. Because we must bring every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Because that thought life is where the sin begins before we ever act it out. It's up here. We think, well, I, I can have my thoughts and nobody knows what I'm thinking. God does. And you know what? If you coddle those thoughts, you're going to act on them. That's why it's so important. It comes from within. You know, the birth of a, of a new baby. <laughs> One of the most joyful events that anyone can ever experience. You know, when it's learned that the child has been conceived... Life begins at conception. When it is learned that a child has been conceived, the family begins to anticipate and plan for the birth of that baby. The, the nursery gets prepared. Baby clothes are purchased. The days are counted until the day of delivery. And one of the greatest tragedies that can be imagined results from the death of a child at birth. There's been all of this anticipation. There's been all of this hope. And then it's dashed at that moment. Instead of joy, a, a family is faced with unbelievable grief. But understand, James uses that same metaphor when he's talking about the pain of sin. That's what he says. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. When lust is conceived, it promises life and joy. There's a great anticipation of fulfillment. But when sin is experienced, it brings forth heartache and death. See, James is showing that sin is not stationary. Sin, sin is not stationary. It grows. It moves. It moves steadily on its course toward ultimate and hideous death. Sin is like that small crack in the dam that holds all that water back. And if it's not fixed quickly and efficiently, what happens is utter destruction eventually. Death stands in contrast to the crown of life. Verse 12 talks about the crown of life. Verse 15 talks about death. He's, he's putting both of these pictures in your mind. They are two totally different destinies. One is life, one is death. At first, the two paths seem like a small fork in the road. But follow them out to the end. And you're in two very different places. One is life and one is death. Just a little bit of application, then I'm done. Adrian Rogers said, If you want to take a bone from a dog, give him some steak, and he'll drop the bone. We sang a song earlier, There's nothing better than you. There's nothing that's better than you, Lord. So fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Him. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, to those who are dying, but to us who are being saved, it is the power, the dunamis, the dynamite of Almighty God. The ability to transform our lives, to, to become His. Fix your eyes on Him. Take it off of all the junk that is...
world. Take it off of all of the things that, that your body your desires. Take it all off of that and put your, fix your eyes on Him. There is nothing better than Him. Choose life. As Christians, we must run from temptation. Jesus taught us to pray that God would not allow us to, to fall into temptation, but that we would be delivered from evil. But listen, our experience with God is opposite of temptation. One more point and I'm done. I promise. Every good thing given. Every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of His will, He brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among His creatures. When we follow God, God gives us life. God promises a crown of life to all who persevere. There's five anchor points to hold on to in a time of trial, and none of these will ever change because they are all things that come from an unchangeable God. God's good gifts. Anything good in my life that you see in my life comes from God. They're good gifts from Him. He is a good, good Father. His, his good gifts, but also His pure nature. You know, we, we face these various trials, and the word various there is the word that we get polka dots from in the Greek. It's actually a Latin word, but in Greek it means, it comes from the root polka. But it means little scattered, okay? Various trials, little various trials scattered throughout our lives. But you see, God's not that way. He's pure. He's holy. He's complete. His pure nature. His unchanging character. Think about this. God's not shady. The reason that we think God is shady is because we're shady. Not because He is. God's not shady. He is truth. He is holy. He is pure. He is faithful. He is all of these things wrapped up into one. Perfection, if you will. Wrapped up into one. There's nothing that is better than Him. And yet we want to dabble in these various trials. And we really don't give Him what He deserves. We talk about God's saving grace. See that, that grace... Your grace and mine begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. But we also have God's glorious purpose. The redemption of humanity. The redeeming of all creation. See, temptation, the urge to do something that we know is wrong, we're all afflicted with that. We all struggle with that. It's all trouble for us. It may be some terrible evil, it may be even something that we tend to excuse. Like our impatience. Not waiting on God's timing. Not waiting for God. We get impatient and we want it done now. And so we are tempted and we yield to it. Maybe it's our pride. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's our short temper. But victory over temptation is not simply a matter of our willpower. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. And our weak spirit cries out for the Holy Spirit's strength in our life. See, there's only one sure way to beat temptation. We must rely on God's help continually. You can't do it on your own. As we trust Him, and as we do what we know is right, 
He will guide us into His truth and into His holiness. We can't will it. We can't do it on our own. We need His help. In our lives, in our church, in our home, in our schools, in our nation, we need God's help. Let's pray. Loving Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. I pray, Father, that in this time that remains for us to be together, I pray, Father, that you would just quicken our hearts, that your Holy Spirit would just show us the reality of our hearts. Father, that, that you would examine our hearts and bring to light. Father, in the dark recesses, in the dark corners of our heart, Father, we've been harboring things. We've been uh, yielding to temptation. But Father, we can't do it on our own. We need your help. So I pray that today, Father, you would reveal to us uh, the things that need to be confessed to you. Father, whether it's inaction, whether it's our pride, our impatience, Father, the things that, we've, um, that have not honored you, whatever it might be, I pray, Father, that today you would bring us to a point of repentance. Father, how we need repentance all across this land. I pray, Father, for your church, your bride, the family of God, that we would be the first, that it would start here with us, and that you would bring revival to this, this great nation. Father, that you would bring revival to the hearts of your people. God, that we would prove and pass the test. Father, that our faith would be genuine. Wouldn't be in word only. But Father, that it would be in deed. Father, that you would be glorified in that. Thank you, Father, for loving us. Thank you for guiding us. We seek you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.